are living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. The sun pushes through warm-toned curtains, drenching the bedroom I house it for on Flatbush Avenue. The sounds of the busiest street in Brooklyn competing over the rattle of an AC sandwiched between two windows. I review my calendar for the week and am nearly shocked at how quickly time is passing by. In two weeks, I will shift again, judging another year not by a ball drop, but at the closing of an apartment. I will move out of the apartment I share with Kira, a musician, and Dior, a film editor, to float around the globe as I Alexandra, a travel business owner, a CEO, a head coordinator, dive into my next adventure. I have found that plans for the future shouldn't exceed three or four months. Anything you hope for passing that time frame is a goal. Plans have a way of shifting or changing And rather than be met with defeat, if we live our lives with the expectation that things will change, rather than naively convince ourselves everything we aim for will fall into place as a concrete puzzle, we'd probably not only be a hell of a lot happier because we'd avoid the sting of disappointment, but we'd find ourselves a hell of a lot more excited for the future too. Not knowing what's to come can sometimes freak me out, but knowing too precisely what's ahead is worse. Life already comes with so many contracts. 
Why limit my possibilities of flourishing when I don't even know of the nutrients I need for my soil? Rather than look ahead with wonder, I reflect back with pleasure. Did I know when I graduated art school with a degree in fine art photography that in three years I'd be the owner of a travel business? That when I moved to Brooklyn from Long Island to pursue photographing or event producing, that I would actually be led to an office space and meet badass entrepreneurial women every day? Maybe if I had known, I wouldn't have been as excited as the happiness and comfort I feel now, knowing that this is my new reality. And rather than feel like my other skills or talent or even education has gone to waste, I know they are a part of my foundation. And as more progresses, the experiences I've acquired from other professional paths will never stop aiding my growth in my career and in my life. Nothing is wasted, especially when learning. Everything is an investment. I wonder if Marion, the girl I met while hiking through the dewy peaks of Washington State, has any idea how much her words influenced me to pursue my own philosophy of yes. How the teen TED talk she gave years prior to our paths crossing inspired a radical awakening which led to a major curve in the trajectory of my life in the best way possible. After learning about Marion Bechdel's pursuit in bringing a good idea to life with no knowledge on how to physically make this idea tangible, I started saying yes to my own ideas more too. The most impactful being the creation of my company, The Nomad's Direction. Just a few days after departing the Cascade mountain range, I found myself in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, on a beer deck overlooking the Grand Tetons. As the sun shone down on my skin and the sweat of my lip matched the sweat of my IPA glass, I got an idea. There I was, freshly graduated from college, living out of a van for a month while hiking my way around the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Almost daily, I would receive messages on social media from friends, acquaintances, and strangers inquiring for travel advice. By 21, I had already lived in New Zealand for six months, backpacked Southeast Asia, and had done two major American road trips where I spent most of my evenings somewhere in a tent under the stars. These people who would reach out to me knew what Google was, they've heard of TripAdvisor, and were familiar with the onset of travel bloggers dominating so much of our online social scenes, and yet they still came to me. Something about how I was traveling and what I was gaining from my experiences around the world 
was speaking to an audience in a way travel markets weren't, because I am me. So as I gulped down that last sip of craft beer, I thought I could start charging these people. And thus, six months later, the Nomad's Direction was launched. I created a service-based travel company where I would produce customized itineraries for clients based off of their budget and what they're hoping to gain out of their vacation. My rates were low, my inbox was spare, but I pitched it to friends and people I would meet in Ubers or tables I would waitress to back on Long Island. That's a great idea, they would say. It wasn't until just about a year ago that I would begin to see the true potential in this idea. Adjusting to the demands of living somewhere besides my mom's house or a hostile bunk bed took a toll on what I thought should happen. My patience was too short for the hiring process and I kept feeling myself rejecting the idea of a full-time job under someone else's rule, even if I had creative freedom. I wanted all the freedom. I had no choice during those first few autumn months in Brooklyn but to put all of my energy and professional attention into my business, and it flourished. I made double what I made the entire previous year in just one season. Where else could this take me? The wing. It took me to the wing, a community for entrepreneurial and freelance women to work in a productive workspace and connect. Lessons were constantly being awakened within me. Ways of working, communicating, and the outlook I had on my life and future became so new again. Where I thought I could only find the adrenaline rush of new beginnings by visiting countries I had never explored before, I also found by hosting meetings and consultations, helping other people travel and see how beautiful our world is. Discovering the strength in myself as I turned an idea from scratch into a lucrative business with 10,000 Instagram followers, steady inquiries, and business partnerships and affiliations, I see that journey is everywhere, not just elsewhere. You are only as strong as the pack you hunt with, and when in doubt, Rather than try and peek ahead with no way of discovering any hints about your future, reflect back instead and ask of your accomplishments. Was I expecting you? Thank you so much, Sydney, for featuring me on your podcast. My name is Alexandra Spurgel, and I am the owner of The Nomad's Direction, you can find us on Instagram at The Nomads Direction or visit our website at thenomadsdirection.com. Hi, I'm Sue, and I'm excited to share my story with you today.
A few years ago to the outside world, my life looked amazing. I ticked off all the traditional measurements of success. I had an incredible career. For many years, I'd lived and breathed my dream job working as a corporate heavy hitter for global airlines around the world. When I started to feel that my soul was seeping away in a big corporate environment, and I discovered that my values were becoming more important than my next promotion, I left it all behind and stepped into the wild, wild world of entrepreneurship to start my own business, a business that eventually became a multi-million dollar company. And as well as a successful career, I also had a beautiful family, two incredible sons and a very understanding husband, financial security beyond anything I could ever have imagined, a very privileged lifestyle, and to top it all off, I had adrenaline, lots of it. I raced motorbikes, I ran marathons, I dived with sharks. So, yep, on the outside, I had it all. But on the inside, on the inside, it was a very different story. Despite all the external evidence to the contrary, on the inside, I was running scared. Like many of us, there was zero self-love in my life. I just didn't believe in myself. I never felt I was enough. No matter what I achieved, that powerful voice in my head kept telling me that I wasn't enough. We've all heard that voice, that we're not smart enough, we're not successful enough, good enough, thin enough. And the challenge when we don't honour ourselves, when we don't love ourselves, is that we have to find validation elsewhere, from someone else or something else. So to try and quieten the perpetual voice, I just kept pushing harder looking for the next success, the next acknowledgement, the next achievement. But that just made it worse because I had to keep working faster, harder, longer to hold it all together. It was completely manic. I was completely manic. To add to the challenge on the inside, I felt like a complete fraud. I felt like everything I had created had happened through bluff and good luck, that there wasn't an ounce of talent involved. And I was terrified that the life I'd created was just an illusion, that I didn't deserve it, that any minute I'd be found out and that everything would come crashing down. Believing that I wasn't enough led me internally to some pretty dark places. My work completely defined me. My whole identity was tied to my job. In fact, it wasn't just my identity. My work was my whole purpose. It was my reason for being. It was my value to the world. Without a doubt, I was my business card. It gave me credibility, it enabled me to be measured, to be recognised and to be valued. It told a story of success and achievement and, and how I wanted the world to see me. And without it, I was nothing. I needed to be perfect. I wasn't confident in being loved or accepted for just being me. I had to be perfect in all areas of my life. I couldn't run the risk of revealing my true self or being vulnerable. Because being vulnerable is a sign of weakness, right? Well, I refused to do weak. And so I struggled to hold on to perfection, even though age and gravity were continually fighting against me. I lived in total warrior mode. It's where I was safe. Shields up, sword sharp and ready to fight. My values were completely masculine, competitive, disciplined, controlling, goal-orientated, because that's who I felt I needed to be to survive. And I pushed all areas of my life to the extreme. I was that guilty working mom building dioramas and making Thomas the Tank Engine cakes at 2 o'clock in the morning. I had a gruelling exercise schedule, training for marathons at 4.30 in the morning, so that often left me only two and a half hours sleep between cake mania and, and training. 
I used adrenaline like a drug, which I guess it was, because if I was scaring myself stupid, it made me forget about everything else. The thing is, there's only so long you can keep fooling yourself. You can fool others for a while, but deep inside, you know it's only a matter of time before you self-destruct. I was physically exhausted, emotionally drained, and spiritually bankrupt. I ran from everyone around me. If you keep moving fast enough, no one can catch you, right? The truth is I was running from myself. I could feel my world starting to close in around me. I was getting physically sick. I was struggling at work. I knew I was empty. But instead of making changes, I just upped the stakes and worked even harder. More work, more committees, more exercise, more adrenaline. Never creating space to breathe, just creating more havoc, chaos and perpetual motion. It was the only way I felt I could stay safe. Except you're never safe from yourself. In all the noise and confusion, I was desperately trying to keep the silence from seeping into my head. The silence that was clamouring to ask me the toughest of tough questions. It was a simple question, but one that frightened me to the core because I simply didn't know the answer. And the question? If I stripped away the facades that I'd spent years carefully constructing around me, who was I? When you paired me back to my bones and exposed my soul, who was I really? How can four small words bring you completely to your knees? I've had political tomahawks buried deep between my shoulder blades that have caused less damage than that simple question. I had no idea who I was. But as the need to know pushed its way into my heart, slowly at first and then very quickly, my perfect life began to unravel. What I found is that the universe has an incredible way of bringing you to your knees just when you least expect it or probably when you need it the most. The alarm went off at 4.30 in the morning for me to go and run, but for once I couldn't move. Normally I'm laced up and I'm out the door in minutes, but not today. Today I dragged myself into the bathroom and in true Hollywood tradition, I had a complete meltdown. I'm not sure why epiphanies tend to happen in bathrooms. Maybe it's because of the lighting. But I looked at my eyes and they were dull and lifeless. It was like my soul had completely drained away. I just didn't recognize myself. And after losing the fight to pull on a tight Lululemon shirt over my head, and as much as I love Lululemon shirts, you sometimes need a degree in origami to get them on, I gave up and slunk to the floor, tears of frustration streaming down my face. I was beaten. I couldn't do this anymore. The life that I'd carefully crafted was over. I just didn't have the energy to try and hold it together. I had nothing more to give. And I cried. I cried for everything that I wasn't. I cried for everything that I was and for everything that I'd held on so tightly, desperately thinking it would make me happy. But it hadn't. On the cold bathroom floor, I was cracked wide open. Yet as the crying slowed with complete clarity, I heard a voice in my head say, Enough. Enough now. Just quit. Just quit? Just quit what? Quit crying? Quit feeling sorry for myself? Quit banging my head on the tiles? What am I supposed to quit? But it's amazing how you can be in a place of total devastation, but at the same time still have complete clarity over the way forward. I knew what I had to do. I had to quit my life. I needed to heal. I needed to breathe. I needed to be alone. 
I knew I had to stop this madness and to fill the huge hole of emptiness that wasn't just burning inside me, but that was threatening to engulf me. I had to reclaim my life, to transform and step into the fullness of who I was meant to be, to find my heart and to connect with my spirit. And to do that, there was only one option. I had to ride. I've ridden and raced motorbikes since I was 16. It's my happy place. It's the place where my soul just bursts open. So it's the place that I knew that I would heal. And so from Australia, I travelled to Vancouver, Canada. I bought a BMW S1000RR superbike, a 1,000cc motorbike called Voodoo. I called her Voodoo because she was dark and menacing and she'd bite me if I didn't behave. And traversed the Pacific Northwest on an 11,000-mile, two-country, 12-state, 83-day solo motorbike journey. For nearly three months, Voodoo was my home and my partner in crime. Together we traversed glaciers and mountains, we endured 120 degree heat in the desert, we powered through monsoons and slow, we narrowly missed wildlife on the road, moose, caribou, elk and deer. We survived crazy wild encounters with cowboys and donut eating dogs, but that's for another day. And together we found peace. It didn't happen all at once, and I have to admit there were times when I seriously questioned and often fought my journey. But I did the tough work, I asked the hard questions, and slowly I discovered me. I embraced the new and let go of the old. I stepped out of fear. I learned to change my story, and I learned to love myself. Well, I think that's still actually a little bit of work in progress, but it's certainly an improvement. But the biggest lesson of all... The biggest lesson for me was that it's okay to celebrate head success, things like achievements, goals, financial security, all the things we traditionally measure as success. But to have true harmony in your life, it is critical to embrace heart success. So what do I mean by heart success? Heart success is about connection. Being on the road for 83 days taught me the power and joy of connectivity. It taught me that we are all one. We are all the same. We all want the same things. To love, to be loved, to matter, to be heard. Making a connection with a stranger is a conscious decision you make every day. But when you put the energy out into the world, the energy you receive back is tenfold. Heart success is also about gratitude. It's about being thankful not only for the good things around you, but being grateful for what is, no matter what what is looks like. Whether it's snow or a bear or a flat tyre, being grateful changes everything. It's about being present. You have a lot of time in your helmet when you're on a bike for eight hours a day and often your thoughts drift to the sadness of the, the past or fears of the future. I had a very simple remedy to remind me to stay in presence because in the present moment everything is perfect. And it was just a simple saying, be where your feet are or in my case where my riding boots were. And that thought immediately brought me back to the beautiful present. Heart success is also about changing your story. The stories we tell ourselves can define us, but that's a choice we make. We get to change our stories, and in changing our stories, we change our lives. On this journey, I let go of the stories of anorexia, being a warrior, needing to live by my masculine values. It wasn't easy, but slowly, slowly, I consciously let old stories fall by the roadside and I replace them with new, brighter, more dynamic versions. Heart success is also about letting go of expectations. 
It's about setting an intent and doing the work, but then not being prescriptive about the how the outcome will be achieved. It's about being completely open to the unknown, to surrendering to the unknown. What else did I learn as I sat like a pretzel for hours on my superbike every day? What did it teach me about me? Where do I start? It taught me that I am not my business card. The amazing people that I met along the way didn't care who I was or what I'd achieved. All they cared about was how I engaged with them and how I engaged with the world. It taught me to let go of the need for, for perfection. And that's a lesson I learned very early on after being drenched from a monsoon for hours and then riding through mud. Absolutely nothing glamorous about that. It taught me also that it's okay to be vulnerable and that in being vulnerable, as well as getting assistance, you actually give someone a precious gift, the gift of feeling valued as you allow them to help you. But above all, it has taught me that I am enough. In fact, just as I am, I am more than enough. And that's all I need to be. My biggest dream is to share this message, that it's okay to chase head success so long as it doesn't define us. But true joy, complete joy, comes from celebrating and embracing heart success. In being brave enough to be who you're truly meant to be in this world, in holding your values sacred, and in living a life of purpose and potential. Thank you. This is Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us, share your story. For more information and to get involved, visit seekthejoypodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month, and make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here, and thank you for listening. Thank you.